we start our Bible reading today, both our New Testament and our Old Testament is a little bit shorter, as you have noticed. As we work through the year, we try to keep categories put together. So we try to keep things in context so we don't split stories right in the middle and things. So sometimes as we get down near the end of the year, we've got a few shorter ones. And this is one of those days where we have shorter ones. Revelation chapter 11, beginning with verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. Now remember, seven is always the number of completion. It's God's number. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, notice, loud voices in heaven. Heaven is a loud place. Saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. See, as God finishes his judgment, he begins his rule and his reign. And see, that's the truth that you got to get a hold of. You've often heard me say that sometimes God cleans the church. Judgment starts at the house of God before revival and blessings flow. Before the, before the rain begins to flow, God, God has to trim out things, things that are unnatural growth, things that are unnecessary growth. God trims things out of a church, and, and then he brings great blessings. Now, you have to understand, before God's reign begins, judgment comes to its completion. With the seventh angel, judgment now begins its completion, and God's rule and God's reign begins. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before the Lord, these are these guys we read about earlier, fell on their faces and worshiped God. Now, let me just pause here for a minute. We can do a little more pausing today because our passages are shorter. When was the last time that you just fell on your face and worshiped? You know, I, I know there are times we fall on our faces in prayer, crying out to God. But when was the last time you just went down on your face and worshiped. It's not just an act of, of humility, of prostration before God. It goes far deeper than that. You know, I've been in places where I've watched pastors require assistant pastors to come and fall prostrate before them on the platform and then kiss their ring. And I've left places like that. I, I don't, I can't handle that. Throughout scripture, when I find a man falling on his face before another man, the man says, stand up, I'm a man just like you. But falling on your face before God and worshiping, that's a whole other thing. It shows humility. It shows devotion. It shows awe of who he is. Today, would you try that? I, I wouldn't do it, you know, in front of a lot of people. This is a private thing. But would you go into a room and close the door and get down on your face, with your face to the floor, and begin to worship? Fell on their faces. They, they didn't keep their face up. They put their face in the dirt. They put their face in the ground and worshiped. Can I encourage you to do that today? Now, again, this is not for prayer. There are many times we fall on our faces in prayer. 
this is worship. You just fall on your face and just worship him for who he is. Totally in awe of his greatness and his sovereignty. And that's what you see here when this, when this seventh angel blows his trumpet and you see the sovereignty of the judgment of God and you, you see the sovereignty of the rulership of God beginning. You fall on your face and worship. Saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Now listen to how they worshiped. They worshiped with thanksgiving. So fall on your face with thanksgiving. They worshiped for who he was, who is, and who was. The eternality of God. They, they worship him for, for his character, for, for who he is. He is and he was. And they worship him for a reason. For you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. When you see God begin to move, Fall on your face and worship. Earlier, we prayed for God himself to come. When you see God begin to come to your family, to come to your life, and restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish, when you see God begin to do that, may I beg of you, not to sit down in a chair and smile and think, it's about time, God. But instead of doing that, fall on your face. Lord, you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign in my life. Lord, you are ruling and reigning in my life. You are restoring. This, the shaking is over and it's your turn, God. Fall on your face. This is awesome. Verse 18. The nations raged, but your wrath came. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? The nations raged, but your wrath came. Have you ever tried to discipline someone and they rejected discipline and they raged against you? This is what God's going through here. God is bringing judgment on the world for their sins and the nations rage against it. Now, now, brothers and sisters, sometimes we, 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 we read words and we don't think about words. All during this, this whole tribulation, the world is raging against God, raging against the two witnesses that stopped the rain and that brought down plagues as often as they willed. The two witnesses that could not be killed and everybody who came to kill him died with a fire that came out from their mouths. The world raged against God all during the tribulation period. There is no repentance. There is no, there is no desire for forgiveness. They raged. Who are you to tell us what to do? This is our world. We have our life. I'm a free will. I can do what I want. Yeah, they did, and they raged. Now, every one of you at some point in your life is going to bring correction to someone who, um, instead of responding properly, rage against you. <laughs> and then you're going to begin to understand, multiplied by infinity, 
what it must feel like for God to love people and they rage against him. Now, again, he loved them, but they raged against him. He said, but you know what? Your rage is not going to stop, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged. And for the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for the destroying of the destroyers of the earth. Now notice, it doesn't matter how people rage. God is going to do what needs to be done. Now you just, you just need to back up and look at that. When people rage against you, they are attempting to change your next decision. When people rage against you, they're attempting to stop you from what you know to do is right. They, they want to somehow make it more painful for you to do what you need to do. But God is not intimidated and God is not controlled by that. He said, the nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged, it still came. And for the rewarding of the servants, the prophets, they, people didn't want the rewarding of the good people. They didn't want the rewarding of the two prophets. <laughs> they didn't want these two witnesses to be rewarded. They didn't want any of God's servants to be rewarded. So they raged. Those who fear your name, both small and great. <laughs> Folks, there comes a time of reward, and you need to get a hold of that. Now, we've looked at a bunch of negatives, but look at the positive. For the rewarding of your servants, the prophets and the saints. All right, so whether we're a prophet or whether we're a saint, there comes a time for our reward. And those who fear your name, do you fear God's name? Do you respect God? Both small and great. <laughs> yeah, but I do have to tell you, I sometimes think that those of us who have positions of authority in this earth, I sometimes think we'll have lesser positions in heaven. And I think the little Lola sitting out there in the church that prays for us every day, whose prayer life allows us to, to accomplish the things that we accomplish, I think their rewards are bigger. So when I look at the great, I think, hmm, I think the great are the little Lolos and Lolas out there in the church that are always praying for us. And I think the small, I think it'll be those of us on the platform. <laughs> and for the destroying of the destroyers of the earth. Now, God brings judgment on people for the destroying we're destroying the destroyers of the earth. Now, again, we have a little bit more time, so please allow me just to talk about this for a minute. Beloved, I'm not a greenie, and I'm not a, a climate thing, you know, where I, we're destroying the climate and the, the earth's get because I've lived long enough to remember what everybody said. It's getting colder and we're entering into a night, new ice age, and now we're getting too hot. And we're going to burn up the earth. And, you know, I live long enough to understand, you know, the climate change stuff. This earth is not going to end until God says it's going to end. And since it's going to be here during the millennium, 
I'm sorry, the earth is going to be just fine. God has beautiful self-healing mechanisms built into it. For instance, if the earth gets too hot, a volcano pops off and it cools. Have you ever noticed when Pinatubo went off, it cooled the earth, I think, by a half a degree or by a full degree? The entire world. So it's amazing how God has all this self-healing that takes place in the world. Now, that said, I do not believe in people just destroying the earth you know when when you know when when strip i've i've seen strip mining all right i've seen strip mining for coal in in illinois and and that area and i've seen how it devastates a place i've seen strip mining here in our own beloved nation i've seen dynamite fishing i mean i've seen the garbage please we we've all lived long enough to see this and, and none of it's right so I don't believe that we should be destroyers of the earth. I don't believe in, in, I believe each one of us should do our part and be good stewards with the waters. Wouldn't it be beautiful if the Pasig River was crystal clear again and you could swim in it again? Wouldn't it be beautiful if Manila Bay was, if Manila Bay looked like Boracay? I mean, can you imagine Manila Bay looking like Boracay? I mean, sometimes when I've traveled in the province, I've never been to Baracay, but I've been to places like Davao. I've been to Cagando Oro. I've been up north to Luag. And when you look at the beautiful beaches and the beautiful clear waters, wouldn't it be nice if Manila Bay looked like that again? So yes, we should take care of the earth. We should not be a destroyer of the earth. Now, you know, I I say some of this, and I had to be careful because people always want to push you one direction or another direction. Here's bottom line. We should be good stewards with the environment that is around us. We should take care of things. Amen? All right. Let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship.
Testament passage today picks up in Micah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. All right, so go back and remember all those readings earlier, what was going on during King Hezekiah's time and Ahaz and Jotham, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. All right, so these are things he saw concerning a city and a region. 
Now remember, the region of Samaria is where Jeroboam reigned. This is where the, the calves were put up, the two golden calves. This is where they put up the false religious worship system. Um, the, this is why I thank the Jews said, thank God I was not born a dog, a woman, or a Samaritan. These were considered these were considered not real Jews. Mestiza, all right? Verse 2. Hear you peoples, all of you. Pay attention, O earth, and all that is in it. All right. Hear, pay attention, and all that is in it. And let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place and will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. All right, so God will come to judge. Now, 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 sometimes we think of God coming to bring blessing. This is coming to judge. He will come out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. And the mountains will melt under him. And the valleys will split open like wax before a fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap, a pile of junk in the open country, a place for planting vineyards, and I will pour down her stones into the valley and uncover her foundations. All her carved images, these are the idols, shall be beaten to pieces, and all her wages shall be burned with fire, and all her idols I will lay waste. For from the fee of a prostitute she gathered them, and to the fee of a prostitute they shall return. Wow. It's always interesting to watch the future of idols. You know, so, sometimes it's interesting when you you go back and you you study ancient history, and you see how people worshipped these idols, and you see what happens to them. God brings judgment even on the idol itself. For this I will lament and wail; I will go stripped and naked. I will make lamentation like the jackals and mourning like the ostriches. For her wound is incurable. It has come to Judah. It has reached to the gate of my people to Jerusalem. Now remember, Samaria and Jerusalem are very different situations. Tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all. In beth le roll yourself in dust. Pass on your way, inhabitants of Shafir, in nakedness and shame. The inhabitants of Anan do not come out. The lamentation of Beth Azel shall be taken away from you in its standing place. For the inhabitants, and these are all cities, by the way. These are all cities. Cities of Samaria. For the inhabitants of Maroth wait anxiously for good because disaster has come down from the Lord to the very gate of Jerusalem. Harness the steeds to chariots, inhabitants of Lachish, there's another city, 
It was the beginning of sin to the daughter of Zion, for in you were found the transgression of Israel's. Therefore, you shall give parting gifts to Morash Gath, the houses of Achzab, shall be a deceitful thing to the kings of Israel. Now again, this is the ten tribes. I will bring a conqueror to you, inhabitants of Marashath, the glory of Israel, shall come to Adullam. Make yourself bald. Cut off your hair. For the children of your delight, make yourselves as bald as an eagle, for they shall go from you into exile. Now again, shaving your head, making yourself, this would be mourning. Chapter 2, verse 1. Woe to those who devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. Wow. Place of planning. Evil. Now, brothers and sisters, let's just park here because, again, we have a short passage today. What do you think about when you lay in your bed at night? When you lay in your bed and you're getting ready to fall asleep, where do the thoughts of your hearts go? Where, where is your meditation? You know, there are people, and the Bible says God gives sleep to his beloved, but there are people who devise wickedness as they lay upon their bed. They think about how to say things to hurt people. They, they think about how to do things to hurt people. Now, if you don't believe me, husbands and wives, think about that time you had a big argument. And you went to bed angry. That's why Paul said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And you went to bed angry. Do you remember, as you laid there in your bed, you thought of all the things you were going to say the next day to continue the argument. And man, you came up with some really good ones as you laid down your bed. Now, come on, let's be honest. Let's not be spiritual. Now, take that and multiply it. The Bible says out of the evil, people bring evil out of their hearts. When there's evil in their hearts, when there's wickedness in your heart, when there's hatred and bitterness in your heart, when you lay there on your bed, that's what begins to bubble up out of you. They devise wickedness and work evil on their beds. And when the morning comes, they perform it. So this is the place of planning, and now the doing. So while they're laying in bed, they plan their evil. They plan how to hurt people. And when the morning dawns, they perform it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You know, the, the first thing that you have to do to get control of your life is to get control of your thoughts. I like Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I like New Century Version translation. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. Now, let me listen to a person speak for a while, and I'll, I'll show you what's really in their hearts. <laughs> Out of the abundance, Jesus said, the mouth speaks. But when people lay in their bed and they, they do all of this and they think about the harsh things to say and just exactly how they're going to get that zinger in there, and not, not just words, sometimes hurting people, they, they plan. You know, I talked with a young man one time. And he said, oh, Pastor Summerall, I'm having trouble sleeping. And I said, it's because you're filled with anger, aren't you? And he said, how can you tell? I said, because I watch every movement of your body. I said, you don't use anger to control situations. Anger is controlling you, and you're, you're so tightened up. And I said, 
when you lay in your bed, what do you think about? He said, well, you know, pastor, I'm into this, this martial arts thing. I'm into this, you know, mixed martial arts things and watching guys fight. And he said, sometimes as I lay in my bed, I just, I dream about how I'm going to do that perfect spinning back kick to a guy in his head. I said, what you should lay in your bed about and think about is sharing the gospel with that guy, talking to that guy about Jesus. See, if, if you let anger and bitterness just sit there in your heart all night, in the morning, you perform it. I said, one of these days, you're going to just erupt and turn around and do that spinning back kick. And the next thing you know, you're going to be in more trouble than you've ever dreamed of. Get that thing out of your heart. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. Now, this is a wow. See, you don't lay awake at night and dream about what you can't do. They can do. You lay in your bed at night and dream about what you can do. Now, you, you just need to meditate on that for a while. You, you need to get the evil stuff out of your heart because these are things that are in your power to do. Now, look at some of the evil things they do. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. Wow. So, in other words, they want to take from others. They don't want to earn. They don't want to work. They don't want to earn or work. They want to take. <laughs> That's just all that's in them. They're takers. These people, you have to understand, these people are users and they're takers. And it's in their power to do it. So they covet and they take. They covet and they take houses. They oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Wow. Not their inheritance, his inheritance. So they want even what God, even what God has given a man. We're going to take away what God gave this man. Wow. Remember, inheritance in that day meant land that God had given to your family in perpetuity. And even, you know, when you, they lost it because of, of, of bad business dealings, every generation, there was a year of jubilee and the inheritance returned. So when you, when you think of inheritance here, don't just think of it as, as like with us, a house or, or, or a bank account or property in the provinces. It's what God gave you. So the, these kind of people, these kind of people lay in their bed and try to figure out, how can I take away what God gave to this person? How can I oppress, just constantly make this, and this is put pressure on. Oppress means to put pressure on. How can I put pressure on this person? How can I put pressure on his house or household is like family and family and staff? I would put it like that because in those days they had, we, they were slaves, but we would call them staff. How can I put pressure on this man, his family and staff, put pressure on the man and take away the inheritance that God has given him? Now, there are people 
that live like this. Now, that's kind of hard to believe. There are people who live like this. And you, you look at these people and you go, man, how can you stand being with yourself? I mean, when, when this is all this in your insides. Well, you know, Pastor Sumrall, it's there's nothing personal. It's just business. <sighs> Remember what I taught you a few weeks ago? The whole concept of predator came when Satan came into this world. He's the first predator. And he put that predatory thing into this fallen world, not God. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am against this family. I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove from your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it shall be a time of, of disaster. Now notice, God's plan. Now notice, God looks at this family. What family? What family is this family? This family, okay? God says, I look at this family, and God said, I am devising disaster. You don't need to fight people like this. God has a plan for people like this. Don't, don't get in the middle of a war with these people. From which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk haughtily. God says, you know what? I've got a plan for these people. Leave them alone. I have a plan. And when I do that plan, they're going to be humbled. Their, their, their arrogance and their pride is going to come crashing down. So just leave them alone. And that day, they shall take up a taunt song against you and moan bitterly and say, we are utterly ruined. He changes the portion of the people, how he removes it from me. To an apostate, he allots our fields. He said, now listen, in that day, God's going to bring taunting against these folks. Therefore, you will have none to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach. Thus they preach. One should not preach such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. All right, so they want nice words from God's servants. You, you should not, one should not preach of such things. You, you shouldn't talk about those things. Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Should, should you tell God what to tell his servants to preach? Should this be said, O house of Jacob? Has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? Wow. My words do good to him who walk uprightly. You know, when you preach truth, it does good to people who live right. People who don't live right. See, the, the word of God is either going to make you mad or it's going to make you glad. And it completely depends on the condition of your heart. But lately, my people have risen up as an enemy. Wow. That's just my people. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by, trusting with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest, because of uncleanness that destroys with grievous destruction. If a man should go about and utter wind and lies, saying, I preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be a preacher for these people. <laughs> These are bad preachers. 
God said, you know, if a man should go about and utter wind and lies. Now, what are the wind and lies that these bad preachers say? I will preach to you of wine and strong drink. He would be the preacher for this people. Not a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of sin and drunkenness. Now, that's that's pretty strong stuff. All right. Uh, our passages today were a little shorter than normal, so I took a little bit more time working on them. But brothers and sisters, we're coming down near the end of the Old Testament and the end of the New Testament. It's been a good journey this year. In just a few weeks, we're going to start all over again in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Let's start all over again. And every year that we look at things, we'll see something new. That's what I love about the Bible. Every year you read, you learn something new. We'll see you tonight.